Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Think about how much effort and time and energy and resources we put into our lives to ensure against hardship and difficulty. Think about that. We really do try in as much as we're able to do whatever we can to avoid the hardships and the difficulties. I think to do so is to be robbed of something that the likes of which an Apostle Paul had experienced. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Philippians. Many of us would agree that it's almost second nature for us to go out of our way to avoid difficulty, hardship, or times of struggle. But how many of us think of the possibility that we're missing out on potential growth from that experience? In today's message, Pastor J.D. teaches us that while hardship isn't always preferable, the fruits from such are invaluable. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Philippians chapter 3 as he continues his message, The Purpose of Suffering. One of the lessons that God is teaching me in my own life, and it's a hard lesson, is that he cannot trust me with power, absent humility. Replete throughout the pages of Holy Writ, we have example after example, and Paul is one of the best examples of how that all he suffered, and he suffered. Are you kidding me? how all that he suffered produced this humble dependence upon the Lord like nothing else could. 2 Corinthians. In fact, you know, if I could trouble you to maybe turn there and follow along with me as I read chapter 12, verses 6 through 10. The Apostle Paul has just got done telling them that in the third person about this man, him, who was caught up to the third heaven and shown things that are indescribable. It would virtually be criminal to try to even articulate it or communicate it. He could not. It was impossible for him to describe what he had seen in this glory that awaits. And it was because of this that Paul was keenly aware of his propensity to boast in this, which is why he says this, verse 6. Even if I should choose to boast... I would not be a fool. In other words, it would not be foolish of me to do so. Why? Because I would be speaking the truth. But I'm not going to do that. I refrain 
And the reason I refrain is so that no one will think more of me than is warranted but what, by what I do or say. Or, verse 7, because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from being becoming conceited, maybe better said, in order to keep me humble so that I do not get puffed up and proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh. By the way, by design, we don't know what that thorn is. And yes, speculation abounds. And I think we do err greatly when we try to define what it is. I believe God withheld that from us because He knows that we're all too ready to say, oh, well, if that was the thorn in the flesh, I don't struggle with that, so this does not apply to me. You might say that God deemed it fit to keep it open-ended by way of application to our own lives. So Paul says he was given this thorn in his flesh, And he says it was a messenger of Satan. And apparently, it was to torment him. The implication being that he was tormented day and night by whatever it was. You fill in the blank with your own life. He was tortured, he was tormented. He suffered greatly, and God allowed it. Verse 8, he says three times. Now this doesn't necessarily mean, and commentators suggest that this was sort of a figure of speech. It's not like he prayed three times and then didn't pray a fourth time. No, it's more like he prayed continually, time and time again. Very specifically, he pleaded three times with the Lord to take it away from him. But, verse 9, what was the Lord's response? He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. I'm not going to take this from you. My grace is sufficient for you. Why? Because my, here's that word, power, power is made perfect in weakness. What? Let me see if I got this straight. Are you telling me that God needed to keep the Apostle Paul, who he had just shown the glory of heaven that awaits to, to keep him down, tormented, buffeted, if you will, by this thorn in his flesh, as it were, 
because he wanted Paul to know that his power, his power is made perfect in weakness. Yes. You got to know that Paul was a very strong personality, right? And if there was ever a man, I mean, this was, this was a guy that would just get it done. I mean, he made things happen. And everywhere he went, God blessed his every move. That can do something to a guy. We were talking about this on Thursday night in Psalm 78. In my own personal experience, I think sometimes blessing and prosperity can be more of a test than poverty and weakness. Because see, in poverty and weakness, I have to rely on the Lord. But during times of great prosperity, I tend to rely in and trust in what I've done, what I've accomplished. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Come on, man. Are you kidding me? Again, I'll... I'll just be uncomfortably honest. I don't know that I could say that in my life. I certainly don't delight in insults. (laughs) Do you? Do you delight in hardships? I don't. I don't delight in hardships. I complain in hardships. And so do you too, so don't look at me all spiritual and everything. How about persecutions? How about difficulties? Think about how much effort and time and energy and resources we put into our lives to ensure against hardship and difficulty. Think about that. We really do try, in as much as we're able, to do whatever we can to avoid the hardships and the difficulties. I think to do so is to be robbed of something that the likes of which an Apostle Paul had experienced. He says, For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's what he's going to boast in, and that's what he's going to delight in. And that goes against everything within our human nature. It's just the opposite. I want the strength. 
Problem is, you can't have the strength. I need the power. Problem is, you can't have the power until you drink deeply from the cup of His sufferings, the fellowship of His sufferings. I know this isn't a popular sermon, but it's the truth. Show me a Christian who is strong in the power of the Lord and in the strength of his might. And I'll show you a Christian who has suffered greatly. Show me a Christian who is tasting from that cup of joy in the midst of their pain and suffering. And I'll show you a Christian that, like the Apostle Paul, understood what it is to know him. Don't you find it a little bit interesting, even strange, that the Apostle Paul says, I want to know Christ? (laughs) What are you talking about, Paul? You don't know him? (laughs) Man, if if you want to know him, I'm in deep kimchi. Because you're Paul. And you want to know him? You know, this last week I was spending some time reading Spurgeon. And I just want to greatly minister to, by the way, I just want to share with you a couple of quotes with the hopes that you'll be as blessed as I was. Some of you are looking at me going, man, dude, this is really, <laughs> where's the hope? Hope in this? <laughs> Is there any? I mean, it's, like I said, just hang in there with me. Spurgeon was a man who suffered greatly physically with severe gout and even mentally with the mental illness of severe depression. I point this out because it was Spurgeon's own son who ascribed his great preaching to his great suffering. He was a powerful preacher. For those of you who know about him, I mean, in his day, (laughs) there was really few like him. But that power that he had had come vis-a-vis the suffering that the Apostle Paul is talking about in our text today. His son was quoted as saying, There was no one who could preach like my father in inexhaustible variety, witty wisdom, vigorous proclamation, loving entreaty, and lucid teaching with a multitude of other qualities, he must, at least in my opinion, ever be regarded as the prince of preachers. I want to close with this quote from Spurgeon concerning his own suffering. 
He says, fits of depression come over the most of us. Cheerful as we may be, we must at intervals be cast down. The strong are not always vigorous. The wise not always ready. The brave not always courageous. And the joyous not always happy. There may be here and there men of iron to whom wear and tear work no perceptible detriment, but surely the rust frets even these. And as for ordinary men, the Lord knows and makes them to know that they are but dust. Knowing by most painful experience what deep depression of spirit means, being visited therewith at seasons by no means few or far between, I thought it might be consolatory to some of my brethren if I gave my thoughts thereon that younger men might not fancy that some strange thing had happened to them when they become for a season possessed by melancholy and that sadder men might know that one upon whom the sun has shone right joyously did not always walk in the light. And then he says this, Should the power, interesting choice of words, power of depression be more than ordinary, think not that all is over with your usefulness. Cast not away your confidence, for it hath great recompense of reward, Hebrews 10.35. Even if the enemy's foot be on your neck, expect to rise and overthrow him. Cast the burden of the present, along with the sin of the past and the fear of the future, Upon the Lord who forsaketh not his saints. Live by the day, a by the hour. Dare I say that God's love for us is such that he wants us all to himself. And sometimes, nay, even oftentimes, the only way he can do that is to bring us to the end of ourselves, where we throw up our hands and we say to him, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I don't know what to do. This is too hard. The suffering too great. I imagine the Lord in my own life (laughs) saying something to the effect of, well, it's about time. (laughs) I'm speaking on myself. I was waiting for you, sort of longing for you. I miss that intimacy with you that I only knew during those times of great brokenness in your life. I know that you don't value brokenness. 
but I place an eternal value on brokenness. For you see, I cannot bless you as you have asked me until I first break you. The breaking always comes before the blessing. And you've been wrestling with me like Jacob. Been putting up a pretty good fight. You're pretty strong. And you, like Jacob, have been pleading with me, Oh, Lord, bless me. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. To which I say, I can't bless you until I break you. But once I break you, you'll know me in ways that you could have never otherwise known me had I not broken you. See, I'm close to the brokenhearted, those who are contrite. Don't you remember a time in your life when you were so close to him? Was it not during a time of great struggle and great suffering? where he was all you had. But what you found was, is that he is all you need. And that's what the Lord wants. He loves you. He's jealous for you, not of you, for you. His thoughts towards you, Isaiah says, are innumerable, incalculable unfathomable. Oh, fathomable if you're able and you're not to count the numbers of the sands on all the seashores in all the world or all of the stars equally as innumerable in the universe. If you're able To count those, then you are also able to count how many times he thinks about you. Those are his thoughts toward you. He loves you. Think him not cruel when adversity strikes. When suffering is your companion. When pain your friend. For he knows, he sees, he cares. And you'll see what he's going to do in and through that suffering that you're experiencing. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching in the book of Philippians. We pray the joy of the Lord fills your heart as you move through the rest of your day. We hope you'll take some time to spend with God today. Here at In Spirit and Truth, we always encourage you to revisit the scriptural text you heard on today's teaching and to learn for yourself what the Lord is saying through His Word. Know that we're praying for you as you lean into your relationship with God and we'll continue to do so each time we produce a new edition of In Spirit and Truth. Are you in the Kaneohe area? If so, we'd love to have you come be part of our weekly services. Calvary Chapel Kaneohe meets each week to spend time praising the Lord and learning from His Word. Find out more about us and get directions at inspiritandtruthradio.com. 
You can also hear additional teachings from Pastor JD while you're there or download our mobile app for Apple and Android devices to access these messages anywhere and everywhere. We'd also like to point out Pastor JD's Mideast Prophecy Update. Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor JD updates us on where the world is in conjunction with the prophecies in the Bible. He takes the time to comb through the news and tell us how world events line up with God's plan as stated in the Bible. You can view the latest edition of the Mideast Prophecy Update by visiting InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Thanks for joining us today for Pastor J.D.'s teaching, and we hope you'll tune in again right here on In Spirit and Truth. With the old wind.